You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. The past few weeks we've been talking about uh, the theme, under, the, under the theme of relationships and really how the gospel of Christ gives us shifts in the way that we connect with other people. So we talked about connecting with God and how God enters the fray and how God How we need a shift in how we view God. He's not out to get you. He wants something for you. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. And last week we talked about um, the power of vulnerability. How Jesus gives you and I the power to boast in our weakness. That when we are weak, then we're strong. And in that weakness, as I'm vulnerable, as you're vulnerable, as we're all trying our best to walk in weakness under the grace of God, there's connection. There's the ability to connect with one another. And um, I want to talk today about um, how the gospel of Christ helps us to connect with others outside of our own race and culture. We need a shift in this, a shift in our perspective. Uh, we're living in a time where racial tension is at the forefront of national conversation. We're living in a time where social media is a powerhouse in getting these uh, images and getting the, the, the issues out in the, in, in, the, in the community, in the conversation. Um, and as I'm reflecting on this, I was thinking about just this month, especially this month being Black History Month, there's schools, people everywhere, right, talking about and acknowledging our nation's very sad history of slavery and oppression and segregation, and at the same time celebrating men and women who have brought these issues to the attention of the world and our nation, have brought progress in this conversation uh, through areas of the civil rights movement or the Black Panthers movement or even right now the Black Lives, the hashtag Black Lives Matter uh, movement. This is a very uh, hot topic in our country, is it not? And I want to speak to that today a little bit. I want to talk about this a little bit today. Um, I'm hoping that the scriptures can help us understand uh, more and more God's plan, God's original intent. This is a major topic of conversation. Even tonight, what's tonight? The Oscars. Has that not been a huge point of tension in the Oscars where you have many black actors and actresses boycotting, right? This is, this is a real issue. There's still a lot of work to be done to help our nation understand and acknowledge and address the many issues of race and racial tension. How does the church speak into all this? Well, as Stephen referred to, Church doesn't help the situation in our society because we have the black churches, the white churches, the Hispanic, the, the Latino churches. The, we, we're all segregated. Actually, Sunday, as Stephen referred to, is the most segregated day of the week in many parts of our nation. Maybe not so much in Southern California, but you still see it in Southern California. Racial prejudice, this tension, this issue begins, I mean, it's kind of programmed into how children grow up. There's many, 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 many years ago, there's a, uh, um, uh, a, a, pro, 
project, an experiment called the doll test. I'm sure you guys have heard of this, where they would bring children three to seven years old in and show them uh, different color dolls and ask them which one is prettier, which one is uglier, which one is uh, would you want to play with. And all the children, and they're all different color, ch- white children, uh, black children, Latino children, they all were saying the same thing. The darker one is, the darker the color of the skin, the um, the less they wanted to play with it. I mean, it was it, it's a very sad reality in how even children are sort of programmed to think this way by whether it be media, whether it be parenting. I, I don't know what it is, but it's just there. Um, I think we've, I think, you know, I'll just share this. I, I, I know for myself, uh, you know, I grew up in Mexico, in Mexico, and I went to a, a school, and I remember this as a child, as, as, a, as a third grader, fourth grader, fifth grader. In the school that I went to, I was the darkest kid in my class. And I remember there was a TV program at the time that was very popular amongst the children, and we all watched it. You know, everybody's watching it at home. But then you go to school, and everybody gives the name of the, you're this character in the show, or you're this character in the show, right? And in the show, you guys have done this before in school or heard your kids do this? So in this show, there was all the kids were white, and there was one dark kid. And the dark kid in the show, it was a very, very stereotypical dark kid, has a crush on the, most, on the prettiest girl in the class. And the prettiest girl in the class doesn't give any attention to the, to the boy. And he's sort of viewed as almost the joke of the show. And I remember going to school, and everybody was handing out, you're this guy, you're this guy, you're this guy. And I was the dark kid. And I, to this day, I'll never forget. I remember there was a sense as a child, as a child, I'll, I'll never forget. There's a sense of almost like an embarrassment of being darker than people of being a different color. This is not at the same level as some of our black and white tension that we have here, but it, but it was in me as a child. And so there was an insecurity. There was a, um, maybe I'm not as good or as good looking or as athletic or as whatever it is. Does that, does that make sense? There was a tension that I felt. Now, thank God for my family and my parents and the community of believers in the church that, you know, just you grow up, you kind of get you get more confidence uh, in God and who you are and these kind of things. But as a child, it was there. Think about it. All, all these children in our nation that grow up thinking this way. This 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 tension, this racial tension has been around in the whole human story since the beginning of time. It's not, it's not new. This is something that's been around since the time that God created the world. Now, in the beginning, it says that God created man in his own image. And yet, because of sin, we messed up that image. And we talked about this, you know, the, the Imago Day. We talked about this a few months ago, and I did a, a series called The Beautiful Design. We talked about the Imago Day. this, this, the doctrine, this, this, uh, we are all created in the image of God. And what God does 
in the Old Testament is he takes this one nation, this one people, Israel, and he says that through this nation, I'm going to bless and save the whole world, all nations, all ethnicities. And he establishes in the Old Testament, he establishes laws and guidelines and leadership for this nation, but this nation keeps on rebelling, and he decides then, and we've talked about this many times before, he decides to enter that chaos as Jesus and show people how to live in this broken world. As Jesus, because we're going to talk about this today, we're going to talk about how the gospel speaks to this, how the church should speak to this. Uh, as, as Jesus, the Son of God, uh, you know, he lives his life, he dies, is risen from the dead, he, he establishes a, a, a congregation, a group, an assembly of followers and believers in Jerusalem. And we see at that time, you know, Peter the Apostle, this powerful apostle, preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people get baptized in one day. And they were all Jews. They were all, or they were converts to Judaism, which in their mind, the Jewish mind was, this is the true and only religion and way to follow God. For several years, the church met and grew, 5,000, 8,000, just keep on growing in Jerusalem. Now, after some major persecution, followers of this new sect of Judaism, as many thought it was, many thought it was just a sect of Judaism, were scattered. They were scattered throughout the surrounding areas and started preaching the message of Jesus' resurrection, and the church spread throughout the known world. But something was still a bit off. The church was made up of only Jewish people or converts to Judaism. God had to do something radical, something miraculous in order to wake the church up and say, no, it's not just for the Jews, it's for everybody. So you guys ready to dig in here? Turn your Bibles, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. We're introduced to a man named Cornelius. If you have a Bible, please turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, try to get close to somebody who does. That can You can read along. Um, we're going to read this interaction, this story, and then we're going to read a couple of verses that the Apostle Paul shares in terms of what God's vision is for his people. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. A lot of Simons here, huh? So, a Roman centurion, a leader in the Italian army, which represents the oppression of the Jewish people at the time, has an honorable and noble and genuine faith in God and fear of God. And, and he, 
he, for, he hasn't converted totally to Judaism, but he's, he's been around the Jewish people enough to understand there's something different about what they believe. And he starts reading the Old Testament. He starts figuring out, man, I've got to give to the poor. And he's got a very genuine faith in God. And meanwhile, Peter, the apostle, is in another city. He has a dream. He's taking a nap, and he's praying. And he has a, actually, he's praying. He takes a nap. You ever done that? You just pray, and you fall asleep. Peter prays, he's falling asleep, he goes into a trance, he starts dreaming, and he has this dream where Jesus tells him to eat certain meats, certain meats that for a Jew are completely impure and actually illegal to eat. Jesus' point being that nothing that he has created is impure. And so Peter wakes up from the dream, and the men that Cornelius sent to Joppa to find him are at the door and are requesting him to come back with them. And so Peter goes back with these guys back to Caesarea to meet this guy Cornelius. And we pick up the story here in verse 27. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law. For a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. So what Peter is doing is, for the Jewish person, it's illegal. He could get into trouble for this. Not just social, like, segregation from the synagogue, but, like, he could actually get arrested for something like this. He says, but God God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for... I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? And so Cornelius tells Peter his side of the story. And he tells Peter, this is what happened. I was praying and an angel came and said, I got to find you. So I went. And then in verse 34, it says here that Peter began to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation one, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And, and, and as you read the next few verses, Peter tells the whole gospel story of Jesus. He tells them the whole story, the full gospel of the resurrection, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and what this means for people now. And in verse 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jews, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said in verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is an incredible story, an incredible occurrence in history. Jews who are not allowed to associate with non-Jews. And here is Cornelius who represents their oppression through the direction of the Spirit becoming a follower of Jesus. You know, it's interesting, as much as Cornelius needed to be converted, Peter needed to be converted. Peter needed to be converted to understand, wow, I guess God doesn't show favoritism. 
this is for all nations. And every time you see that word, all nations, it doesn't necessarily mean countries. It means all ethnic groups, all ethnicities. This is for everybody. Now, yes, the Jewish nation, yes, Jesus was Jewish, and yes, all that kind of stuff, they get priority. But you and I, a lot of you, I mean, most of us here, we're Gentile. We don't have Jewish blood in us. So thank God that the message is for everybody. Because if not, you and I would be lost. This is why this is the only occurrence, when you think about it, and if you read the book of Acts, this is the only occurrence where the Spirit comes down without or before water baptism. Okay, so Acts 2, this happens, right? They start speaking in tongues, and then, you know, they get baptized, they start baptizing people. This is the only occurrence where this happens without baptism. Because at baptism, you get the Holy Spirit. But God wanted to get their attention so bad, he had to do something incredibly radical to get their attention. He said, you know what? I'm going to come and start living inside of them to wake you up, you Jewish Christians. And it's going to be miraculous and amazing. And then they get baptized with water. When you think about this, it's pretty amazing, guys, that God had to go this to this level to get the Jewish people's attention. He had to do something out of the owner or out of the ordinary. This occurrence changed the whole direction of the whole church. All of a sudden, what was a primarily Jewish church was about to become overwhelmingly Gentile. And would cause some of the greatest tensions and issues in the early church that Paul, the apostle, wrote about and ended up spending most of his time addressing. You know, we got issues in the church, right? We're always going to have issues in the church. There's always going to be stuff. This was the major stuff that Paul had to deal with when it came to connecting the Jew, the Gentile together. In fact, in Acts 11... Even Peter had to, had to defend himself. Acts 11 and verse 1 says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, the, the Jewish believers, criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. So Peter starts telling them about this dream I had, and then I saw this guy Cornelius, and then he had a dream, and God brought me over there, and we all connected, and the Holy Spirit actually came on them before they got baptized. It was incredible. And at the end of his little speech, Peter tells them, so so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted a repentance that leads to life. We see here a shift, a shift in the book of Acts. And as you read the rest of the book of Acts, you see the gospel spreading by the direction of the Spirit to Gentiles all around the known world, and and God using Paul to be his primary instrument in spreading that message. But in order for Paul to do that, who Paul was a Pharisee. Talk about a Jewish guy. He was a 
Pharisee, a teacher of the law. In order for that to happen, though, he had to get Peter. Peter was the most influential Jewish Christian there was at the time. He had to convert Peter to help Peter understand it's for everybody. This created huge tension in the church. This is, we're talking about thousands of years of racial prejudice and Jewish superiority and condescension and condemning of those outside of the Jewish race. Now you're talking, we're going to sing together. We're going to hug each other. We're going to break bread together. We're going to be saved together. So now that you're not circumcised and I am, that means we're still saved under the grace of God. Guys, for a Jewish person, this was huge. So much so that even Peter, who had to be converted to understand this message, still had issues with it. In Galatians 2, you can read this on your own. In Galatians 2, Paul comes and says that he had to rebuke Peter in front of the whole church. Because Peter's over here be hanging out with all the Gentiles. And, you know, the Gentiles probably knew how to throw a party, right? So they're partying up, having a great time, praising God, encouraging one another, high-fiving each other, all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, these Jewish brethren come into the room. And Peter says, oh, snap. And he started backing away, backing away. Let me join my Jewish brethren over here. And Paul is sitting right there at the table. He says, what? This guy, are you kidding me? He says, you're a hypocrite. This is in front, I mean, talk about church. This is, at, this is at a potluck. This is at the church potluck. The two main leaders of the church. This is at the church potluck. One of the main leaders tells the other main leader, bro, you're a hypocrite. With my dudes right here and his dudes right there. You're a hypocrite. Because you don't understand. You were just celebrating with the Gentiles right here. And as soon as your Jewish dudes get here, you won't join them. You're a hypocrite. Because you know the truth. You know it's for all ethnicities. It's for all nations. And yet you back away from fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Read this in Galatians 2. That's a, that's a funny story right there in Galatians chapter 2. But I'm telling you, it was so ingrained in Peter to not think outside of his race that even years after he saw the miracle of Cornelius, he was still wrestling with it. He was still dealing with it. You know, I think it's important to talk about this. When race and all of its issues and tensions are such a major and continual conversation, I think we need to see that the answer lies within the gospel of Christ. He brings peace and reconciliation to the Jew and the Gentile, which was a race war for thousands of years. He brings peace and reconciliation to us now because in him we see and experience something entirely different. You want to see what Paul wrote about it? Look in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul talks about this. He's writing to, this, he's writing to a church in Ephesus. And Ephesus is like one of the main cities of the Mediterranean world at the time. And 
It's kind of like a port, a port city. So it's kind of like Long Beach, all right? Let's say Ephesus is kind of like Long Beach. And you got people from all different nations coming in and out, and Gentiles, and primarily Gentile uh, church. But they had received some people in the church that were saying, you've got to be circumcised and all this kind of stuff. But, he's, but he's, he's talking to the Gentile church. And in chapter 2 in Ephesians, in verse 11, these are Christians that he's talking to, followers. He's saying, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. So, in other words, the Jewish people are the ones that are circumcision, and they're calling you uncircumcised. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay, so Paul's telling the Christians, he says, remember, remember who you were before Jesus. You were excluded You were condescended upon. You had no hope because the promise was really in the Jewish mind for the Jewish people. And so Gentiles, he says, in a way, he's kind of telling the Gentiles, you've got to be thankful. Don't be all like, well, these Jewish people are crazy. No, you've got to be thankful because the clincher is that the blood of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, brings us near to God. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those, to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both, Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one spirit. This was the point of tension in the early church, the Jewish and Gentile relationship. And he says, listen, Gentiles, in Christ Jesus tore down that barrier. He tore down the wall of hostility. In him, there is peace only in him. And in him, he creates one new humanity, one new human race, where all ethnic groups come together, especially Jew and Gentile, come together into one body, his church, his people. This is God's power through the gospel of Christ. And he's trying to remind the Gentiles of this. Now, some of you may be sitting here like, that sounds very ethereal and very nebulous and very, you may get cynical. Where's Where's the social justice in all of this? Let me tell you something. The gospel of Jesus itself is the power to break down the walls of hostility. To bring peoples together. We can have politicians talk to their, till their faces get blue about what to do. We can have uh, programs established which will be great to help this connection to happen. But I'm telling you, apart from Christ, it will not 
happen. That's Paul's point. That's his point. In Jesus, in Christ Jesus, we both, the Jew and the Gentile, have access to the Father by one Spirit. But our issue today is that the church, as our society sees it, actually reinforces some of these prejudices and tensions by having segregated gatherings. That was never Jesus' vision. That's not a sign of his new humanity. You guys with me here on this? He closes out in verse 19. He says, consequently, you are no longer, he's talking to the Gentiles still, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, his family, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul finishes his incredible message by describing what it looks like. It's like a household, a house that becomes a dwelling in which God lives. And this is the vision and the desire that God has for his people, his new humanity, this new human race. Stephen did this in the communion, but I want, to, I want to take a moment. I'll say this. Our church, the Great Long Beach Church, we got our issues. We got our weaknesses. We got our things that we constantly got to work on. But look around you right now. Seriously, I'm serious. Look around you right now. One thing that makes me proud to be a member of this congregation is all of the walls of hostility that have been broken down by Jesus Christ. You got, you got every color. You got all the colors here. It's like a rainbow right here. You got all ethnicities. And we reflect, this reflects actually the city of Long Beach. When you think about the city of Long Beach and the surrounding communities, it's all a melting pot. Can you imagine if we were just all white or all black? We wouldn't reflect. We would have no impact in the community. This is God's vision. One new humanity. Again, we got our issues. We got our weaknesses. I say stupid stuff up here all the time. But I'm telling you, one thing we got going. One new humanity. The gospel... The gospel provides the answer to redeem the imago Dei. The crea- you're created in God's image. The gospel has the power to redeem the imago Dei. The gospel has the power to break down the barriers and the walls, whether it's apartheid in South Africa or the Indian-Pakistan border conflict or the Israeli-Palestinian division and conflict or the Ukrainian-Russian conflict that we have or the black and white racial tensions in America. The gospel of Christ tears this down in the church, in the body, the new humanity. Now, Here's the issue. Even though the gospel does this, you and I, we need to be careful that the world does not dilute God's vision. How do we prevent this? 
quickly five things. How do we prevent this from happening? Helpful reminders for the new humanity. One, remember and live out the Imago Dei. In other words, each one of us was made in the image of God. When you see that poor homeless person, he was made in the image of God. When you see that addict who can't overcome, they were made in the image of God. And when we start seeing each other this way, even more so, the amount of respect, love that will be expressed will change, can change the world. We got to remember and live out we are created in the image of God. Number two, remember that we are all, all of us, no matter what color, ethnic background, socioeconomic background you are, we are all in need of God's forgiveness and the gospel. We are all in need of God's forgiveness. doesn't matter how you grew up, you need the gospel. Without the gospel, we will keep on spinning our wheels, spinning our wheels, spinning our wheels, trying to figure out how to bring unity to a divided world. We all need forgiveness. When you stand, when we, we all say this, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. When you're at the foot of the cross, it doesn't matter how awesome you are or how not awesome you are. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. We need, we need Friday night in order to get Sunday morning. You guys with me on that? Number three, sealed in Christ, one in Christ. Galatians 3 says this interesting statement. This is Paul talking to the Galatian church. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, there's a, there's a very uh, strong truth to this. Baptism here says, if you're, when you're baptized, you're sealed with Christ. You're clothed with Christ. And in Christ, that's when there is no Jew, Gentile, black, white, Hispanic, slave, or free. That's when that works. Just because we're all created in the image of God doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be unified. The only way that the walls come down is in Christ. And the only way that you know that you're in Christ is if you're sealed in Christ. And the way you know that is, according to this passage, if you're baptized in the name of Jesus. So we can rah, rah, we're going to be one in Christ kind of thing. But the only way to be one in Christ, the people that are one in Christ are those who have been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. We've got to remember this. We've got to see the power of this, the, the breaking down of the walls is in Jesus. Sealed in Christ, one in Christ. Number four, celebrate and understand. I think as a church, we need to continue to celebrate diversity. Celebrate diversity and one another. You know, I love um, every month our youth ministry gets together, the preteens, the junior high, and the high school teens, and all the parents get together once a month on the last Friday of the month, and they have a great time together. But it's so cool that every month they do a potluck, and they bring food, and every month is kind of a different theme. You know, you got your Mexican food theme, your Hawaiian food theme, your 
uh, we had New Orleans, like Cajun food theme and stuff. Um, they had uh, Asian food theme. I mean, and so in a, in a very subtle way, I love it because it celebrates our diversity. It celebrates, man, we, we all come from different backgrounds. Let's celebrate this. Let's not condescend on it or think it's weird. Let's celebrate it. And also, as we celebrate this, let's understand this. I think there's, there's so much to learn from each other. You may be white and didn't grow up with the, with the incredible pressures of growing up, growing up as a black man in this, in this nation. You know, I have black friends who just get randomly pulled over by the police just randomly. This is a reality. So if you're white, man, what an incredible opportunity in our community of believers to try to understand that, to ask more questions about that. That connects. That's a relationship. You guys with me on that? We have, we have people here that have had to escape Mexico or, Cam- or places like Cambodia. Literally escape because of the conflicts or the poverty or the issues. And they're here, and they're your brother and sister in Christ. Man, if you're black, you have an opportunity to understand that, to ask about that, to learn about that. You guys with me on this? Celebrate and understand our diversity and each other. And lastly, I would say here, see each other through the lens of Christ and his grace. When we put on the Jesus glasses, and we realize we're all in need of forgiveness, we're all in need of the gospel, we start seeing each other differently. Not, and this, this happens at all levels, not just the racial level, but it happens even in the relationship level. That's where I talk a lot about giving each other the benefit of the doubt. As a brother and sister in Christ, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Assume the best in each other. No, they're not out, out to get you. You know, Papa Joe is our elder here. If he's calling you to get together, he's not out to get you. You're not in trouble. That's your brother in Christ. You got, you got some great ministry leaders here, some great people leading in, in your small group. When they're trying to get together with you, assume the best. Assume like, hey, you know, they want the best for me. Now, if I go into this meeting and get rebuked, well, I guess that was what God wanted. I mean, it's not naive. It's just let's trust. When you put on Jesus' glasses, and you start looking at each other in the image of, God, of Christ, through the lens of Christ, you give a lot of grace to each other. You walk in God's grace. Jesus provides us the power to be vulnerable, as we talked about last week. And he gives us a shift in how we view and are to view others. God's vision that his message is for all nations and that through the gospel there is a new human race in Christ is to be, is to be lived out in the community of his followers, the church. So, Greater Long Beach, let us be that church. Let us be that community that is rich in diversity as we encourage one another and spur one another on to live for Christ, that you and I would be the light of the world to his glory, and that we would fulfill Jesus' command. Love one another. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. 
For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com. 